Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I pray that we would never lose the reverence for who he is. I like Leviticus. I really do. I appreciate this book because this is God's way of saying, hey, you're following me. You're my people. I picked you and you will live differently. And how you worship, it will not be how the Egyptians worship their gods. And it will not be how the Philistines or the Canaanites and, and whoever else, it will not be how they worship their gods. You will worship me how I say you will worship me. The great coach John Wooden once told his players that they weren't allowed to wear their hair long if they wanted to play on his team. Well, one of his star players decided to challenge that and grew his hair out. Guess what? He wasn't allowed to play until he got his hair cut. In a way, this was how God was with the Israelites. And as you'll hear from Pastor James today, there were much more severe consequences for not following God's rules, much more severe than not playing in a basketball game. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. It was a messy, a messy church service, huh? That's a messy, that's a messy church service. You thought there was messes after donuts, man. Imagine being here with the sacrifices. It's just like good grief. There's just blood and guts everywhere, everywhere. But there's a barbecue blazing in the background. The smell is filling up the nostrils of God in heaven, and He is pleased. He's pleased with it, right? So. The last little bit of this, this ordination, is uh, Moses communicating to Aaron and his sons in verse 31, boil the remaining of the meat of the offerings at the tabernacle entrance and eat it there at the entrance, along with the bread that is in the basket of uh, offerings for the ordination, just as I commanded when I said Aaron and his sons will eat it. Any meat or bread that is left over must then be burned up. You must not leave the tabernacle entrance for seven days. For that is when the ordination ceremony will be completed. Everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, making you right with him, God. Now stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days, a whole week, and do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die. <laughs> Welcome to the ministry, Aaron, and your sons. Here you go. For a week, you're going to stay right here. This is what the Lord has commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. This is crazy. So they do all this, the sacrifices and all that good stuff, and they've been dressed, and now they've been you know, kind of splattered with blood. And Moses is like, okay, for the next week, you stay put. If you leave, you die. <laughs> and that's an Aaron and his sons are like, I think God takes this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, because the ordination ceremony won't be complete until that seventh day. Until that seventh day. Man, it seems like the Lord took ordination of priests and ministers very seriously. Maybe a little bit more seriously than we do at churches nowadays. <laughs> We're like, oh, yeah. Oh, you want to be a priest? Oh, go online. You want to be ordained? Go online. Go online. I'm not saying there's anything bad with that. 
but uh, I think sometimes you end up with a lot of priests, quote-unquote, or pastors, quote-unquote, who don't really belong. They don't really belong because there's a price to be paid. You want to get in ministry? There's a price to be paid. And uh, it comes at a great cost. And I can speak from personal experience. It comes at a great cost. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's just not. It's not. But is it worth it? Oh, it's totally worth it. To serve the Lord in whatever capacity is absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. So these guys took this seriously. They all lived. Um, we know that because the, the story goes on. And uh, I would encourage all of us, as, especially as we're going through this and you're like, oh my goodness, sacrifices and sacrifices and this and that and this and that. This is a good reminder to take following the Lord seriously. Take it seriously. We're still called to be separate. We're still called to be distinct. We're still called to be holy. We should be holy because he is holy. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. How we worship has changed. That has changed. So that, you know, we know this, that, you know, we don't offer animals. We don't have to because Jesus, as our high priest, read the book of Hebrews, has done that all. And we are now part of a royal priesthood. You and I, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are part of a royal priesthood. So some of this like, oh my goodness, this is intense, does apply to us to a certain degree. We should take it just as serious as Aaron and his sons had to take this for that, not just that entire week, but from here on out. We represent God. We represent God. Now, again, I praise God that we don't need a priest because we have a high priest. His name is Jesus. Um, you don't need some man to stand be- between you and God. Praise God for that. You don't need to go to some man to confess your sins, and then he hopefully delivers that to the big man upstairs, and you're you know, cool, and you're good to go, right? No, no, no. You go directly to him all, all on your own now. That's the, man, that's the best thing ever. That is amazing. You have direct access to the God, to, to your heavenly father, because you have been covered in blood, his son's blood. It's the coolest thing ever. But I like Leviticus. I really do like this book. Um, I don't like animal sacrifices and all that good stuff. I don't have to. That doesn't really matter to me anymore. I like this book because it, um, I use the illustration from our article that was written about breaking out the fine china. Breaking out the fine china. We, we live in a world of, you know, just, it's not like a world of simplicity. It's just a world of casualness now. And church has become a place of casualness. And I'm not saying, look, I'm preaching in shorts and a whole, in a pineapple button up shirt, which I've gotten some compliments today. So, you know, well, there you go. Um, but this is about as fancy as I get, right? Um, well, I mean, I was in a suit for a wedding. Uh, I've, been doing, I've done that a couple of times. But I'm not talking about like our, you know, our approach in that, you know, you've got to dress this way. I think that's sometimes where the church went wrong to a certain extent, okay? But I'm talking about this reverence thing of like, when we walk into this place, man, it's about him. It is about him. And the songs that we sing, they're, they're songs for him, about him, not us, not about us. If there are ever songs about us, then throw them in the garbage, Okay, because we don't, we don't worship that way. So there's a reverence there, but 
I like Leviticus because it reminds me to like, this is serious. Following Jesus is serious. And we should take that as a serious thing. And not like, you know, kind of like haphazardly and Jesus is my homie and all that good stuff. I get what people are saying when they say that, but I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I don't, to me, I just, I don't appreciate that. Jesus is, man, he's, he's my everything. He's the perfect sacrifice. Like, is, can you be a friend of his? Abraham was a friend of God. That's cool. That would an amazing thing. What an amazing opportunity to have that. I think that that's there. That relationship dynamic is there for us. But our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is how Jesus, that's the model that Jesus gave to his disciples on how to pray. And I, I pray that we would never lose the reverence for who he is. I like Leviticus. I really do. I appreciate this book because this is God's way of saying, hey, you're following me. You're my people. I picked you and you will live differently. And how you worship, it will not be how the Egyptians worship their gods. And it will not be how the Philistines or the Canaanites and, and whoever else, it will not be how they worship their gods. You will worship me how I say you will worship me. And that is how it will go. And if you don't want to, well, there's a price to pay. And it could cost you your life. Now, not saying that today, but it's going to cost a couple of guys their lives. So let's get into this. Verse chapter 9. We got the ordination. We're ready to go. We're ready for our kickoff service. Church service numero uno. We're ready for this, right? This crazy church plant in the wilderness uh, with these million or so people, rebels that are uh, and just already proven they're, they're just... <laughs> hard-heartedness towards God from like day one. Um, before they even left Egypt, they were already showing their hard-heartedness towards God, okay? But verse, verse one in chapter nine, after the ordination ceremony on the eighth day, Moses called together Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, born without any defects, present them to the Lord, the best, no defects, the best. Tell the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering and take a calf and a lamb, both a year old without defects for a burnt offering. Also take a bull and a ram for a peace offering and flour moistened with olive oil for a grain offering. Present all of these offerings to the Lord because the Lord will appear to you today. He's like, let's do church. God's going to show up. He's going to show up. So let's do these sacrifices. Let's get all these sacrifices going. Verse 5, so the people presented all these things at the entrance of the tabernacle, just as Moses had commanded. Then the whole community came forward and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Right? I love this. I, Moses, is, he's representing God, and, and he, God is giving him the word, and he is communicating this word out to not just to the people, but to Aaron, to the priest and the elders. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And here's Moses standing before the people like, God is about to show up. He's about to show up. So they presented that. And in verse 7, Moses says to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering, your burnt offering to purify yourself and the people then present the offerings of the people uh, of the people to purify them, making them right with the Lord, just as He commanded. 
So Aaron went to the altar, slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself, because the priest has to start with himself, okay? The priest, the priest must, if you're the high priest and you're going to represent the people, uh, you know, and the people on behalf or to God, you yourself have to be, well, you got to be sinless. You have to have a covering, okay? So Aaron knew this because, well, again, chapters one through, technically one through seven, uh, show that, that the high priest and all of Aaron's sons, they had to have a covering themselves because you can't represent, you can't stand before God, uh, you know, representing the people if you yourself have not been covered by a sacrifice. That's also a good thing for churches these days. You can't stand before people if you yourself have not been covered by a sacrifice. You're like, well, who would do that? Oh, it happens. <laughs> oh, it happens. Past preachers would, there's a lot of preachers, and I'm going to use that term just as it is, preachers who uh, love standing in pulpits, representing and preaching the word and all that good stuff, and have no care, concern with their own personal lives and sinfulness. Some of them even think that they have no need to repent of any sins at all, at all, which I find fascinating because the closer I grow to the Lord, I'm just like, man, I am wretched. I am wretched. I don't even want to come up here half the time because I'm like, why, why, God? Why would, no, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of it. And that's something that I think the Lord wanted Aaron and his sons to understand as well. Make sure you're covered before you stand before the people. Make sure you're covered. Make sure you're covered. I'll let you like a little insider baseball. Um, Anytime before I come, you know what I'm doing most of the time back there? I'm like, Lord, please forgive me for any sins. Please forgive me. There's anything, anything at all, please forgive me. That's why I stand at the back of the room. That's usually what I'm doing back there. Just like, please, Holy Spirit, fill me. Please fill me. (laughs) Please give me some words to say. Please forgive me for any sins. Please forgive me for any sins. I, that's just, maybe I got that from this. I don't know, but just unworthy. Just unworthy, right? And praise God that he covers us and it's beautiful. And I love this little part here of Aaron's like, God tells Moses to tell Aaron, present a sacrifice for yourself. Present a sacrifice for yourself. And that's what they do. His sons brought him the blood and he dipped his finger in it. Verse nine, put it on the horns of the altar and he poured the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he burned on the altar, the fat, the kidneys, the long lobe of the liver from from the sin offering, just as the Lord commanded Moses. The meat and the hide, however, were burned outside the camp. Next, Aaron slaughtered the animal for the burnt offering. His sons brought him the blood and he splattered it against all the sides of the altar Then they handed him each piece of the burnt offering, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. Then he washed the internal organs, gross, and the legs and burned them on the altar along with the rest of the burnt offering. So his sons are whack, are chopping away, right? Like they're doing business and they're bringing it to Aaron. Like, here you go, sin offering, boom. Like you've ever seen that market in Seattle where they're just tossing fish around, right? That's what kind of happens in my brain. Like they're like, hey, here's the head. Hey, here's the leg. And Aaron's just throwing it on the altar. It's gone, burnt up, right? But he's just piling this stuff on there, splattering blood all around. Uh, verse 15, next Aaron presented the offerings of the people. He slaughtered the people's goat and presented it as an offering for their sin, just as he had done uh, with the, 
done with offering for his own sin. He had first done with his offering of his own sin. Then he presented the burnt offering and sacrificed it in the, in the prescribed way. He also presented the grain offering, burning a handful of flour mixed on the altar or a mixture on the altar, in addition to the regular burnt offering for uh, the morning. Then Aaron slaughtered the bull and the ram for the people's peace offering. His sons brought him the uh, blood and he splattered against the sides of the altar. He took the fat from the bull and the ram, the fat from the broad tail from around the internal organs, along with the kidneys and the long lobes of the liver. By now you're like, we know, we get it, right? All those organs. Okay. He placed these fat portions on top, um, top of the breasts of these animals and burned them on the altar. Aaron then lifted up the breasts and the right thigh as a special offering to the Lord, just as Moses had commanded, you, commanded him. Yours may say a wave offering, right? Is that what your Bible say? Is a wave offering, right? In my brain, uh, I think like that's where we got the wave for the baseball games, right? You're like, hey, right? Aaron did that. And everybody all around the tribes of Israel did the same thing. That's not true. Um, they didn't do that. And it didn't start there. But when I was studying this earlier today, I was like, that's all I could think about was the wave, right? When they said the wave offering, all I could think about is all of Israel from one tribe to the other, just all doing the wave, okay? So now that they planted that seed in your brains, um, you'll probably never think of anything other than that when you see wave offering, but there he's lifting it up to the Lord, just lifting it up to the Lord. Verse 22, after that, Aaron raised his hands towards the people and blessed them, right? That's kind of cool. He just sticks his hands out towards the people, and he blesses them. Then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle. And when they came back out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering, and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Crazy, right? Like here's Aaron, just like making this huge pylon is what I'm thinking in my head of like all this stuff. Then he, and he, he blesses the people and he and Moses go into the tabernacle there. And then they come out, bless the people again, and then God shows up like they've seen him in like a, you know, a cloud by, you know, cloud by day and a fire by night. Like they've seen kind of presence of God, like leading them and protecting them. And it's always at a distance and all that good stuff. But now he's like, he's in the tabernacle and this fire consumes the offering. And the people see this and they shout, they rejoice and they fall down on their faces prostrate right on their faces. That's worship. That's worship. Hey, when God shows up, you fall down. That's worship. You don't fall backwards. You fall forwards. Fall forwards. Anytime God shows up in a story, you fall forward. Only the enemies fall backwards. Only the enemies. In all the Bible stories I've ever read, when God shows up, you're on your face. That's and technically, that's where we get our word worship from. It's prostrate. It's on your face. It's beautiful. So put yourself there. Like whatever camp you want to be a part of, whatever tribe you want to be a part of, you're like, I think I'd be part of the tribe of Judah, right? You're like, okay, cool, um, whatever. But you're there. And then the presence of God shows up. 
And there is a million or so person roar that happens because everybody's rejoicing. What we've worked for, he set us free from Egypt. He got us through the Red Sea, and he, he's gotten us to this, to this place. And we've been kicking and screaming and all that, but he's gotten us here. And he gave us the law, and we broke those. And so Moses then, uh, then he had to get some more. And, but we're here now, and we have the sacrifices, and we got the tabernacle. And now we get the best part, and that's God himself. And that's God, he will tabernacle with us. And they worshiped. Amazing scene. How significant is this? It is so significant that it factors completely into the next chapter. I mean, have you ever been part of like just a, a worship service where I mean, it's like the presence of God shows up? I mean, and everybody's worshiping. And everybody's worshiping. And then oftentimes, what we do as humans is we like to try to manufacture that thing again. Like, how can, we, how can we, you know, dress this thing up so that we can reproduce this thing? And if we do this and this and this, then he'll, he'll show up again, right? He'll have to show up again. And that's where a lot of church movements go wrong. It's because we want to rely on how it worked in the past. And if we just do this, this, and this, then God will show up because he has to. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. They did everything that God told them to, and he showed up. He showed up because of obedience on their part. Not so much the sacrifice, but the sacrifice is a part of it, but God prefers obedience over sacrifice. And I think this goes to Aaron's son's head, heads, his oldest boy and his second oldest boy, because something happens. In less than 24 hours, something happens, because chapter 10 just, you know, it just kind of continues on. And we, this is like our first church service. And I mean, it's amazing. We, we showed up, and God showed up. And then chapter 10, verse 1. Aaron's son, Nadab, and Abihu, or Abihu, I think it's Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, or your Bible may say a strange fire, different than he had commanded. Again, and you'll, you'll take note of that, okay? Within those few verses, actually within just that one singular verse there, it's already letting us know that they, had, they were disobeying God. They disobeyed God, and they were not doing what they were commanded to do. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. I mean, this is like possibly the same day. I mean, things can't get any better. <laughs> we we are now free from Egypt. Then we're not where we're where we should be. Technically, they should already be in the Promised Land. They didn't have to go this long way around, right? I mean, but this is the Lord, and He's working through these people, and He knows that they're rebellious and all that good stuff. But here they are, and, and the sacrifices have happened, and the tabernacle is built, and the presence of God is there. And Nadab and Abihu totally disobey God. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.